Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra. All right, today's podcast is about the Israeli-Hamas conflict. As uh, uh, you guys know, since the last few days, there has been a great loss of lives uh, that started with the Hamas uh, attacking Israel and more than a thousand Israelis, uh, uh, innocent Israeli citizens have passed away. In response to that, we've seen the Israeli state uh, launching an offensive against Hamas uh, in Gaza. Uh, I, I did not want to do a, a podcast on this last week because I always like to, you know, it's just a rule I have in my podcast. I wait, I see what's happening. I wait for things to flow. And then uh, eventually, when enough water has flown under the bridge, I decided to talk about it. And I reached out to Catherine and I requested her to come. And as always, Catherine has been very kind and graceful. And she always says yes to me. She never says no. So Catherine, welcome. Thank you. Well, look, um, I never say no because, number one, you have a great platform. and, And I like the way that you approach things. So you're very rational um you don't like to scream and shout you make valid points so why why would i ever say no uh would be quite silly and also we tend to agree <laughs> so yeah. it's always fun to talk to friends yeah i know for, but but uh, honestly first of all uh on behalf of uh at least folks in india to to everybody in israel uh you know uh condolences about uh, the loss I, I have a lot of jewish friends you know even this time in in canada when i was there i met a lot of members of the jewish community and it's it's just been terrible and and i always say this to my jewish friends the one community that understands the loss uh, because of terrorism and loss because of violence in general it is especially the hindu community of india because that's one community that has faced a lot of uh, terrorism and a lot of lives have been lost. So, you know, I, I, just on a side note, like everybody's like, why are Indians talking about Israel so much? And why is the social media space full of Indians talking about and especially Hindus? They don't like to say Hindus. So they say Indians. They kind of couch it uh, in a politically correct way. They want to say Hindus. They don't want to say uh, Indians, but they say Indians. But I just want to put that uh you know, record straight is because we actually understand the pain of the Jewish community. If there's one community on planet Earth that understands the pain of the Jewish community, it is the Hindu community. So before someone tries to, I'll give you the non-politically correct version, the answer, which is the bare bones truth that only one community understands the pain of the Israelis. It is us. I just wanted to put that to rest. And now we can talk about uh, the issue. So we'll divide this uh, into, you know, different sections so let's start with this so what has been this relationship between hamas and the state of israel like i was hearing uh you know i've been trying to do my research and i want you to correct me but it's only my job to ask these questions that uh i've i've tried to hear different versions like i've even heard yasser arafat quoting that it was israel that created hamas well look many many things have been look you know, conspiracy theories, I think, uh, you know, come with the territory of geopolitics. People always have an opinion about things. Um, they love to, uh, again, be very conspirational because it make, I think it makes them sound more intelligent than they actually are. Uh, and I'm not saying that everything that you see in the media is true. We know that it's not the case. Um, and that a lot of the time you need to, to dig a bit deeper, you know, deeper and try to, to get a good sense of what is actually going on, especially when it comes to geopolitics. People tend to have a very myopic view of things, thinking that, you know, if it happens in a particular region, 
uh, it means that only this region is affected. Usually it's, it is not. There's always a context that needs to be looked at. Um, in the case of Israel, look, Israel is facing an existential threat by the hand of Islamic radicalism, whether it's, you know, it's, it's, it's Hamas, whether it's Hezbollah, whether it's the Islamic Republic of Iran, is the same language, the same threat. Um, they, all those groups want the um, annihilation of the state of Israel and all Jews, by extension. Um, so to, to posit that Israel would be so willing to establish prop aid, a terrorist organization that would literally want the blood of its people sounds a little bit irrational to me, uh, bordering suicidal. I don't think that as a country, Israel has been suicidal. Uh, if anything, it has been a very rational actor on the diplomatic scene, on the political scene. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bother talking about it too much, but no, it's not true. It, it's not true. Um, not to say that Israel hasn't played into the um, divisions within, you know, those various Palestinian groups, Fatah, Hamas, and others, of course, of course it has, it has done so because it, it was, it was helping um, and serving its interests. So, but I think that is true for every country. Um, and so I don't think that there's something conspirational or nefarious about this or even insidious. I think it's just the reality of politics. Um, you know, they were basically, I mean, in my mind, the way I understand it, the state of Israel was trying to, to find a way out of radicalism and to try to find actors that they could engage with, I would say, on a, on a not on equal footing, but to try to find someone that did not want to murder everybody uh, and call it a Monday. So that, I think that was that was most most certainly um, the angle uh, that was taken. But what a what a wrong expectation to have! Please don't kill all of us, right? Pretty much, um, and I think that in order to do so, Israel was pretty much willing to talk to anybody. Uh, unfortunately, whether Hamas or even you know the PLO or other iterations of, I would say, Palestinians' political expression. You know, have proven to be quite genocidal, um, and so here we are. Um, and people, as usual, are so willing and quick to lay blame at Israel's feet because if it's the narrative, it plays into very old hate. Um, it's expected. It's easy. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of um, intellectual gymnastics. And people, again, I think it's uh, it has seeped into our subconscious so deeply. That it's it's almost our default setting. Um, I, I've heard I've heard so many things over the past week, things that I thought I would never hear again. Um, and I'm not just talking about social media; it's even in mainstream media the the inference, the assumptions. You know, this um, oh, you know, yes, people were massacred. We witnessed almost live uh, a butchery. Um, I mean, the, the display of, of violence and hatred against innocent civilians, um, the world should have condemned unequivocally and, and, and not add a but. But there were many buts. And so people were trying to split hairs. I mean, to the point where I, I've, I've seen debate on social media. I mean, I, I wouldn't even call it debates, but it's just a vomit of hatred where people were actually arguing, oh, are you sure it was 40 babies and were they decapitated before they were killed or after as if it made a difference? Um, and it's just so, I mean, look, of course I'm affected. It is my community. 
it, it cuts really, really deep. Also, it echoes uh, for everyone, not just in Israel, but across the Jewish diaspora over time that we would very much like to, um, to forget and put behind us. Um, and also a time that we hoped was gone in terms of the this thirst for Jewish blood and the desire to not just kill, but kill in such a fashion that it would be so cruel that the, I, I don't think I could put words to that kind of um, display of fury. It's hateful mm. fury. It's it's um, it's a barbarity that, in my mind, should be really relegated to medieval times. I think that they would actually put to shame crusaders, uh, and God knows that they were not exactly kind to populations. Um, but to to see people view babies, children that were are literally an accident of geography, who didn't have time to do anything by any one standard, by any faith standards, to unleash your hate onto innocent souls and be barbaric about it. And to have people to somewhat rationalize or argue about numbers or the fashion in which those, those babies were killed is such an insult to the Jewish community, to our humanity as a collective, because it means that certain demographics are deserving of that kind of hatred and treatment. Um, and also the, 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 dis the disregard to life just life. I mean, it doesn't, as far as I'm concerned, look, and I'm going to say it clearly, I, I really don't care who is committing those abusive, regardless of who you are and what you think you're standing for. The second you attack innocent civilians, and by that I mean willingly, purposefully. I, there is no excuse for that ever. There is. There could be no rationalization. There could be no way of explaining it away they could be not but what about this or what about that no it, it should be a no end of sentence no hair splitting let's move on we have to condemn it always and forever and what shocks me is that when it comes to the jewish people people want to rationalize they want to lay blame on the victims and say but what did you expect peter thatchell who's a very famous and prominent right activist in the uk and who has done, arguably by many people's standard, a lot of great work, had the nerve, was brazen enough to go on social media and actually, but what did you expect? What did you expect? When you saw the images of women being burned alive, of entire family being shot, you know, shot at and executed, people being kidnapped, a woman, a pregnant woman was... Um, cut open and left to die with her unborn baby. When we saw the rape, when we saw the women being kidnapped, a Holocaust survivor was kidnapped and she was shot. And someone, someone's reaction, first reaction, almost visceral reaction is, what did you expect? What did you expect? And that for me kind of summarized and encapsulated people's reaction. And when I say people, I don't mean everybody. But enough, too much, to tell you that we have a serious problem. And that problem is, number one, Islamic radicalization, Islamism, and the expression of that hate. And number two, this willingness that people have had in order to assuage, I think, their desire to moral signal 
and the laziness in trying to actually understand context to identify with Hamas's narrative and portray it as if it's a call for liberation. That's where we are right now in the UK. We have people who are willing to openly and publicly support an organization, Hamas, that has been proscribed as a terrorist organization in the UK. And unfortunately, the authorities have proven to be incapable. I don't want to say unwilling because that wouldn't be that wouldn't be true. Incapable to deal with. In that, I don't believe that our legislation is robust enough to address the problem because it's on a ground scale. And people's reaction has been, we can't put everyone in jail. Well, for me, that's not good enough because we need to do something because people deserve to be protected. And my my main concern is this. Yes, my community is in, in, the, in, in, in the line of fire. Yes, we are the first victims. Yes, it starts with us. But history tells you, and I've said it until I'm blue in the face, I'm going to say it again. It never ends with us. And if you look in the in in if you look at the context within which that has happened, this attack of Hamas against against innocent Israeli citizens, civilians, by the way, so they're not they're not legitimate targets by any standard whatsoever. Will not stop there. This is this is just the manifestation of those people. Hamas's supporters exist everywhere. You've seen it from New York to Paris to London. I mean, it, in Australia, it's everywhere. Are we serious into thinking that it's just going to stop at the Jewish community and that others would not pay the price? I mean, you remember other events in the UK against the Hindu communities by the hands of, you know, Muslim radicals. You also have had incidents against other ethnic and religious minority across the UK, across the EU, across the Western world. Are we supposed to believe that this is not related? Are we supposed to believe that this is not like a movement? against multiculturalism, against people's right to exercise their freedom of religion and free speech. They have hijacked everything that we stand for, from compassion to freedom of religion, to free speech, to our ability to, to express ourselves in a democratic discourse, twisted it and turned it against us as weapons. And we, we just sat there thinking, if I challenge you, if I hold you accountable, I might be called, you know, intolerant. I might be called Islamophobic. And I refuse. I just, I mean, it's not like I was, you know, being muzzled before, but I just straight up refuse to justify myself when I challenge hate. The burden of proof is not on me. It's on, it's, it's on those people who are claiming Islamophobia. Islamophobia where? We should be scared. I'm not being irrational in my fear of Islamism. I'm being very rational because what I've seen for the past week, what happened last Saturday in Israel is horrible. There is no, I mean, the last time it did happen, it was, it was under, under Nazi Germany. That's all I can say. The butchery, the violence, the dehumanization, the glee. People celebrated in Gaza. Celebrated. They paraded our dead. I think that ISIS is quite jealous right now because they think they, they probably think we didn't go as far. But Hamas did. And we are supposed to think and believe that this is what liberation looks like. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if really we, we, we just let out the armies of Hamas and they want to liberate? What does liberation look like to you? To me, it looks like a genocide. 
9 million mm -hmm. people in the line of fire. 9 million people. Because when those people are saying free, free Palestine, which is, by the way, a call for genocide by Hamas, but that people think that, oh, it's, it's a cute, it's a cute little slogan that, you know, resounds, you know, in, in such a lovely way in the streets of Paris or London or wherever. This is a call for genocide. So where, where, where are Israelis supposed to go? Where are the Jews supposed to go? Because really, this is the real questions. What they're calling for is not decolonization, as they call it. Also, colonization would assume that actually we're occupying a land that is not ours. It is ours by even their own standard and their scriptures. It is ours. So where are we supposed to go? What are they actually calling for? But people don't have the moral integrity to ask themselves those questions. What they're calling for is a genocide. So if people want to stand by and support a genocide, they can go right ahead. But consequences will be dire. History will remember them. This I know. This I know. Because people now forget something. And I think that whoever is listening and people are thinking, oh, but yes, I support Hamas. I think that the Israelis and the Jews are the vilest people on the planet. Well, let me tell you something. We have social media today. So if you think that's a weapon to vomit your hate, yes, yes, it is. And yes, you have a great platform. But also, we are collecting evidence against you. Whatever is being said on social media lives forever. So if people think that it's okay to scream and sing the gas to Jews and they can get away with it, think again. Think again, because Israel will win this war against Hamas. Things will come down. Peace will happen. We will normalize too with our neighbors. And those who do not agree will need to get out of the way. And I don't mean this in a violent way. But they will need to get out of the way because there is no room for that kind of hatred anymore. Those people will be held accountable. Yeah. With this gas the Jews was recently uttered outside, uh, if I, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think this was outside the Sydney Opera House, right? Mm -hmm. when, yes. Yeah. So I, I don't get it. Right? The modus operandi over here was, from what I understand, it starts with around 5,000 rockets that are being launched against Israel. Then there are tons of people that are cutting fences physically, trying to enter Israel. Now, the rockets are a distraction. And then there are people coming in paragliders, attacking innocent people who are at a rave party. Now, mm -hmm. what did those people do? I don't understand. Okay. What, they what did, did they do? They, they, did, did, they didn't do anything. But look, this is the thing that people don't understand. And we again, we've been saying this for years, years and years and years, where we're trying to explain that the very charter of Hamas, and I invite people to go and look it up, Actually, it's not so much that it explains. It legislates over genocide. It encourages the death of all Jews. Because the thing that people also don't understand is that they think, oh, it's, it's against Israel. No. No. Hamas, whenever Hamas addresses the Jewish question, they don't say Israelis. This is Al-Yahud, which means Jew in Arabic. They call us Al-Yahud. So there's a very clear, it's, it's very clear to me that they're not talking about a country. They're talking about people. a people because Jews are, an, we are an ethno-religion. And so that's, that's what they're referring to. They're not talking about Israelis because Israelis, you know, you have Arab Israelis, yeah. you have Christians, you have Jews, obviously, but you have many, many, many other uh, communities religious communities within that, as well as the ethnic 
uh, communities. So I Israel is not just you know this one thing. It's it's multifaceted. It's 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 a rainbow um, of people that live under one one flag. Um, and so when they refer to us, it's it's Al Yahud. So it's very clear that their hatred is directed at the Jews. Um, but in their hatred, they they were not exactly. They were not trying to make a difference between people, and unfortunately, um, they killed their own too. I mean, Arab Israelis were killed. So it, it really goes to show that they are they are hypocrites. All they want is bloodshed. So they mm -hmm. keep saying, "Oh no, it was targeted at the at the Jews and the Israelis." No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was like whoever was on the land of Israel, you just wanted to get rid of. You didn't even bother, you know, to um, to try to, to to make a difference in between people. You were just after blood. Which is insane because you know they claim to want to free the Palestinian people or the Arab people. Well, you kill them too, so explain. They killed innocent people anyway, but the point is they killed innocent people that had nothing to do with their alleged fight against the Israeli state, against the Jewish people. They killed innocent bystanders in their twisted dynamics. So even they don't have limitations when it comes to murder. They're willing to kill anyone who's in front of them as long as they could just revel in violence. They're happy. It doesn't matter. You could be whatever from wherever. I'm pretty sure that if an alien was to show up tomorrow morning and you know had the indecency of landing over Jerusalem, there would be a fair target too. Yeah. Uh, what I think... What do you make of this entire argument being made by people that, oh, it's not about all Israelis, as if that makes it normal and justified? Like, even if it is about all Jews, like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Like, imagine if I said this uh, and I flipped this around, and if somebody said this about all Muslims, I'll be the first person to call that bad mm -hmm. person out. I'll be like, what a piece of shit. That mm -hmm. if you make a comment about all Muslims, I would have a problem with that too. But here it's it's almost, I mean, I am shocked at the level of Jew hatred that is normalized. I'm not. Like, I'm because, shocked. Do you know that I'm not? And and that's unfortunate. But um, I've I've look, I've experienced a lot of a lot of anti-Semitism in my life. I'm not the only one, many people have. Um, but some people have fool themselves into thinking that uh, things got better. I don't think they got better. I think they just got pushed down. Um, and and so on the surface, it, it looked like it was better, but it, it wasn't because we never really addressed the root core of, of anti-Semitism. And it takes it, it would take it, it would take a lot of re-education because again, it's it's so anchored in people's subconscious. You know, this notion that Jews control the media, Jews control the financial world, Jews control everything. We are those you know, like secretive puppet masters um, that we there's always an agenda that we are by definition suspicious because we exist and we breathe. And then, and also this notion that because we're such a close, close-knit community and we do support each other, um, but because that that's that's part of our it's not even part of our education it's part of our culture we just we stand together because we understand that if one hurts the whole body hurts that's just the way that we are um and rather rather than celebrate this because i think it's a beautiful sense mm -hmm. of community um that allow people to feel more connected to you know their neighbors and 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 other people beyond their immediate family and that it encourages you to um to stand in solidarity with people when they hurt not just within the community but without as well um 
you would like to think that people would celebrate this and say, can we learn from you guys? Because we want a piece of that too, because it's it's a good idea. And I know that in the Indian community, you have a similar sense of togetherness and, you know, together we go through nobody. Uh, because otherwise it doesn't work. You can't elevate a society if people are very selfish and, and kind of, you know, locked in the only little dynamic saying, well, I don't care what happens to you. Yes, you should, because whatever happens to anyone within the community means that, you know, the community as a whole will not be able to um, to rise above and get better. So everyone has to get better. But anyway, I digress. And so people think that there's this kind of secretive little cabal that is going on um, and that we are plotting. But again, that goes I back... I just think they're jealous of the Jewish community, Catherine. I don't think jealousy. I think I think there's a there's a there's a lot of projection. There's a lot of um, very old ancestral hate, and also the fact that we never actually dealt also with the core root of the matter is that you know the I think that the church has a lot of answering to um, because of this notion. I know they've they've dropped it, but it's still there uh, that we committed as a people uh, deicide, which is a little bit nuts to think that anyone could kill God. But anyway, um, you know, up until very recently, that was that was the line. Um, you know, when it comes to to certain quarters of Islam, um, you know, the, this this notion again that the Jews are always the enemy, that because we allegedly broke the covenants, therefore we are hated and hunted and God, you know, hates us, basically, which is, again, insane, because even in their scriptures, we are clearly uh, named as the chosen people. Not that it makes us any better, but it means that we have been endowed with a certain responsibility towards humanity as witness that that's all it means it's not like we are special people we are special in that we agreed to take on the mantle of i wouldn't say the world but to shine a light onto humanity and to try to strive for better that's what that's what we committed to as a community um and, and people think that you know because of it we think ourselves better no we don't we just hold ourselves to greater standards that's all it means. That means that we have a greater responsibility and also that, unfortunately, we have been hated throughout history because of it, um, which is, again, I think, projection. People don't like it. People don't like that no matter what we celebrate life, that no matter what we rise above, that no matter what we survive, uh, we are persistent in our survival and we have no intention or desire to go away anytime soon. Can can we talk about the role of Iran? Uh, look, that's your yes. area, area of expertise. Like, If people don't know, uh, go and check Catherine's bio out. You'll know why I'm asking this question to Catherine. If you don't know, if you don't know, for the ones who have been living under the bridge or underwater for years and have just come, come up and suddenly, well, if anybody needs to know about Iran, you should go to Catherine. But Catherine, what has been the role of Iran in this? Well, look, number one, the, the Islamic Republic of Iran uh, has been aging and abating Hamas. Um, millions, millions of dollars have flown into Hamas's coffers from Tehran. Uh, they also help train Hamas's fighters um, in, in the sole goal to annihilate the state of Israel, So, which has been the line that the great turban-in-chief um, Khamenei has held for decades, you know, death to Israel, death to America or vice versa, depending on the day. Um, and so, and Hamas, of course, you know, has been, you know, quite happy and willing to take Tehran's money because, you know, why not? Uh, if they can line up their pockets um, and in the same time vomit hate, they're happy. It's a good day for them when it happens. Um, 
But I think that if you look at the immediate geo geopolitical context, the Islamic Republic of Iran um, is facing tremendous opposition at home. Uh, and even though mainstream media kind of stepped away from covering um, protest in Iran, um, and what I think is actually a revolution in the making, um, but obviously a revolution is not, it's not linear. It doesn't just, you know, it doesn't just happen in a day and it's, it's it ebbs and flows. Um, so right now it's, it's kind of, um, you know, it has slowed down. It doesn't mean that people are not just as determined. It just means that it's in a different phase of this revolutionary movement. Um, Iran has many, many problems, political, uh, in terms of the ideology too. They have an ideological crisis in the sense that despite the their best effort, people are not buying into, I would say, the bullshit anymore. Excuse my French. Um, they're not willing. I mean, look, they've lived for decades under under the lies of the Islamic Republic of Iran, and they're not biting. They don't want to sacrifice now in order to um, to be called martyrs in the hereafter. They're not interested. They wanna they wanna have a good life right now, and 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 you know, and just wait and see what happens after. They're not they're not interested in committing. Um, suicide to please the ayatollah anymore they're not willing to engage into any more suffering or wars or to be told you know what to do where to go what to eat how to eat it and what to dress what not to dress they're just sick of it they just want freedom social media i think amplified this they could see how other people live they've seen their neighbors uh improve and better themselves saudi arabia kuwait the uae um things are getting better everywhere and they kind of stuck uh, in not even limbo, they, they they're stuck in a rut um, because everything is getting worse, not better. It's not even staying. It's not, there's no even a status quo. It's just getting worse every single day. Um, so Iran needed, I think, the regime needed um, a distraction. It needed something to show up support at home, maybe because Iranians have the propensity to rally around a leadership, whatever that may be, uh, in times of crisis if they are attacked and i think that was most it was witnessed I, I think it was it was characterized by iranians um decision to rally around khomeini during iraq iran's war they didn't have a choice uh, iranian felt that iraq violated their national sovereignty and so they fought back and that allowed the islamic republic to really kind of cement its hold over the country i do believe that if it wasn't for saddam hussein attacking iran i think that the shah would have returned and i think that you know khomeini and khamenei would not be here right now uh creating and fomenting chaos everywhere that they go um but i guess we'd never know um and so i think what they did was egged on hamas all the all the i do have a theory because look Yes, the Islamic Republic of Iran is definitely funding Hamas. Yes, Hamas uh, is doing and has committed the crimes that the Islamic Republic of Iran wanted to see happen uh, and definitely worked really, really hard to see happen over the past decades. Um, but I think that the timing of it all and government official within the region reactions is actually telling another story. Uh, and if you allow me, I will, I will tell you my theory. Now... This is not a conspiracy theory because I don't do conspirational. What I do is I look at facts and I try to translate them and make them fit um, because it's never what you see on the surface is never the whole story. Uh, and there's a lot of interest, especially when you could, when we talk about the Middle East, because you need to consider 
uh, energy security. You need to understand access to natural resources. You need to understand, you know, the political end games of superpowers within the region. It's complicated. Now, if you look at the way that Hamas attacked, uh, it was very well planned. Uh, it was to a degree, I would say, that speaks to me of a hidden hand in terms of the, you know, the attention to details, the the, the level of preparedness. That is not, this is not Hamas's MO. They, they, I mean, that was precise, that was calculated, that was timely, that was military scale. Um, so one could say, yes, but the RGC can do that. Yes, it can. But there's another party that no one is talking about right now that does do that, that has access to very, very good intelligence services. I would say one of, you know, some of the best in the world. Uh, that are really good at disinformation and also have a, an interest in the region, and that is Russia. Hamas and Russia have a long history. And so I'm asking the questions. Uh, as we're talking about the Gaza-Israeli war, the one is mentioning Ukraine, which is convenient. Um, Russia has also an RGC problem in Syria. Because when it had to recall the Wagner Group, which is, I would say, the equivalent of the RSGC for Iran, for Iran, but in Russia, Russia had to abandon a lot of the, the sites that it was controlling, mainly oil wells in Syria. The only reason why Russia was in Syria was to control certain natural resources and, and exert control over that. Um, and it had to withdraw. And the RSGC took on, you know, this role of minding Russia, uh, Syria's natural resources. So Russia lost to the RSGC there. Uh, Putin doesn't like to lose to anybody. Um, so in my mind, there's, there's definitely something there whereby it could be that actually the Islamic Republic of Iran was thrown under the bus by people who used to be its friend, I mean, its allies, um, they used to align themselves with the agenda of the Islamic Republic of Iran, but suddenly maybe decided to look elsewhere, thinking that the tide was actually turning because Iran cannot sustain its regime. It cannot. You know, whether it's now, tomorrow, in two years, five years, it cannot. It cannot be sustained. And so it could be that people just jump ship earlier, not wanting to wait for the Ayatollah to fall, thinking, well, you know, you can't do much now. Do we need you? No. You could be a convenient scapegoat and we could accelerate the inevitable and see you fall. Uh, but in the meantime, we're just going to make sure that we are positioned in such a way that we benefit from it anyway. So again, this is not, you know, this is still kind of, I'm still working on it, but I, I think it's, it's an interesting line of thought. Um, if you look at the ways that, for example, America and the UK immediately jump to the aid of Israel, uh, people will say yes, but you know, every time something happens in Israel, America and the UK jump in. Yes, politically, diplomatically, yes, not militarily. So yes, lines of credits are, are, are set in place and, and and things like this. But this is true for for many countries um, who do have a partnership with the US and 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 the UK. Uh, but the fact that Biden decided, and I'm talking about President Biden, who doesn't take a decision very quickly ever. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he could formulate a decision quickly ever. Uh, decided, I mean, day two of this conflict to be sending not just a carrier, but the biggest mm -hmm. carrier ever made 
that costs money. That costs a lot of money to be moving that around. It's 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 a monster. It's it's a dinosaur of a carrier. Um, I mean, not not in that it's old and broken, isn't it? It's gigantic and it's enormous. Yeah, it's, it's probably their biggest carrier ever. I mean, ever. So, like, you know, if you consider that Hamas's naval capability is almost non-existent and that Israel's naval capacity is actually quite impressive, um, you would like to think that well, why? Israel doesn't need to have the biggest carrier in its waters to protect it. It really doesn't. And I'm not trying to be posturing here. Israel is the military superpower. End of sentence. It's just a reality. Um, and so to aid Israel in terms of, you know, sending ammunition or to make certain material or, or weapons available to Israel to buy, a hundred percent. I mean, any country going to war will need the support of its friends. But to send a carrier wasn't needed. But okay. But then Biden decided to send another one. So they stood up. And then the UK decided to send some more to send its navy. And so I'm thinking, okay, we don't need all this to be fighting Hamas. Hamas is not that. I mean, you know, Gaza is 2 million people. 2.5, something like this. I mean, the figure are just a bit kind of, you know, um, not really clear because it's it's difficult. It's, it has, I mean, I don't recall a census recently. So it's, you know, those are estimations. So say two, 2.5 million people there. Um, I'm going to say like, if you're very, very generous, 10%, 10% or actually Hamas fighters, terrorists. Do you need to have all this? No. Israel could very easily take care of it. Very, very easily. I mean, Israel has enough men on the ground to do that without even the reserves. They could do it. They could take on Hamas. Um, so why? Why if there's no, you know, in my mind, there's a bigger play. And I think that America and the UK are trying to uh, calm the harder of someone else. Trying to make sure that there's no regional escalation. Trying to make sure that whoever is behind this or intends to benefit from this is not. That That's how I read things. Um, I may be wrong, but when I see Qatar threatening to cut the gas worldwide, and and making it public, by the way. So it was, you know, there was a tweet. It was on social media. It was it was made public. And then a day later, um, there was a statement made saying, no, 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 it never happened. Well, it did because we have we have we have it. But fine, okay, you never said it. Uh, it's okay. So they kind of rescinded on their on their statement. So that means that something did happen. Someone said something, um, and they decided to not escalate because I think that was the plan. I think that. Hamas and its master was trying to escalate this conflict into a regional conflict. And that would not play in the favor of the Islamic Republic of Iran. It wouldn't. And, and you can tell that even the Islamic Republic of Iran is trying to calm things down. There was a statement being made, I think it was yesterday, um, by the foreign minister saying if you stop the bombing of Gaza, we will not activate our proxies. We will not intervene. And then Ayatollah Khamenei came out saying, oh, we believe, we consider that America is, has entered the fray, even though it didn't, but we think it did. This is posturing. This is like 101 
regime posturing. So they, they, they're really not willing to do anything. They're just saying stuff, hoping that people will be thinking that, oh, you, you are actually supporting Hamas, you are doing something and claiming responsibility. But really, they, they, they're trying to de-escalate. Also, the fact that Hamas came out within hours of the attack against Israel, came out in a statement saying thank you to Iran which I, I thought was quite odd because everyone was reading the subtext. Everyone was assuming that Iran was involved because obviously it's Hamas and the Islamic Republic has been a patron of Hamas. We know this to be true. And so everyone assumed automatically, well, yes, Iran is, is involved in this. And so for me to go publicly and make the effort of stating what everyone knew was a little bit over the top and usually tells you in politics that actually you want people to believe this because you're trying to throw us off and not make us think any further. You don't want people to be thinking too hard about this one. And so you're throwing Iran under the bus. So again, I'm not saying that Iran is not the guilty party. It is. It is by the very narrative that it's holding. What I'm saying this is that I think it's not that simple. And I think that there are other actors at play and that possibly uh, Iran has been thrown under the bus, which I would love to see because anything that means the, the end of this regime, for me, is a good day. Uh, unfortunately, that uh, someone decided to do this at the expense of my people and that I'm not okay with, and I'm not okay, at, and I'm not okay for the regime to fall at the expense of anybody else for that matter. Um, so I make that clear. But yeah, I think there's more to it than than what we know now. But again, it's too early. It's, it's hard to tell. But I think it's quite interesting to see. Even Mahmoud Abbas came out to denounce Hamas. Interesting. But then, how do we make? sense of the chaos here like what is the future life for the for the entire region because we had saudi arabia and uh, israel you know starting the peace talks mm -hmm. and many other good things that were happening in the process and now this this incident happens and it has kind of set uh, the cat amongst the pigeons so so what what does it make for the overall diplomatic angle and the uh, in the i think nothing changed I really, I really don't see. I know that people are saying, "Oh my God, we went back, you know, decades, and now it's impossible." No, 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 no. Why? Nothing has changed. What has changed? Realistically speaking, I'm talking in terms of the political language. What has changed? Hamas attacked Israel and committed an act of genocide, crimes against humanity. So mm -hmm. everything that we've been saying, that the world has been saying, by the way, because many, many Arab countries or or many political parties and, and people within the Arab and Islamic world have, have come out very strongly against Hamas. Countless people have spoken against Hamas, have spoken against the Islamic Republic, have spoken against this genocidal ag uh, agenda, uh, agenda, sorry, that, you know, ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Hamas and Hezbollah have held. So nothing has changed with that. It's just like now we... Today we saw we saw the destruction and Israel paid a very very dire price, but nothing changed. When Israel is defending itself and declaring war against Gaza, it's not declaring war against the Palestinians. The political world knows this. The people are being played. So what you hear right now are just uh, I would say the noise that people are making because they are being manipulated by ideologues. But reality, political realities on the ground haven't changed one bit. Of course, Saudi Arabia is going to have to come out and, and, and defend the Palestinian cause because you have to remember that Saudi Arabia is home to the two holy mosques, Mecca and Medina. Of course, because the Palestinian lobby has done such a great job linking Islam and the Palestinian cause, saying that if you are a good Muslim, you must absolutely and all the time support the Palestinian cause and supporting means calling for the destruction and annihilation of Israel. 
that's that's the problem. So of course Saudi Arabia has to. I mean, it, first of all, it will not abandon you know its people, Palestinians or Arabs. So it's not going to just decide to just dismiss their suffering. And unfortunately, they are suffering because they are being held hostage to Hamas and other organizations such as Hamas. That's the issue. The issue is not about Israel. Israel is just a, is is the excuse. But those ideologues would invent another enemy if that meant oppressing their people. Hamas doesn't want to have a democracy in Gaza or anywhere else for that matter. It doesn't want it. It's happy to to be putting blame on Israel to to say that, oh, it's because of Israel that we don't have water. It's because of Israel that we don't have food. It's because of Israel that we don't have electricity. And again, I'm calling bullshit on all of it. Because the only reason why Gaza is in the state that it is in today, it's because Hamas, after receiving unprecedented help from the, the, the international community, billions of dollars over the decades, has built nothing. Nothing. They don't have a desalination plant that is working. They didn't develop the infrastructures. They, di they didn't do anything. What have they done? What have what they've done is spend money on 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 rockets and and you know training people and and trying to educate people into being good little terrorists. That's all they've done for the past decades. They have done nothing to help Palestinians make a better life for themselves. Nothing at all. They could have. They chose not to. And they, and for some they reason they dug up the pipe water pipelines and used it to launch launch rockets or something, right? Yes. I mean, look. Do you know the the it was a defense minister. The Israeli defense minister came out, and I think it was either either Sunday or Monday, um, saying we're gonna we're gonna close the the the, cro the all crossing with between Israel and Gaza. There's only one crossing anyway, so they decided to close it. I mean, it's war. It's war. Of course, you're gonna close any any land access. Of course, you're gonna close it. And they decided to stop electricity, water, and food. And then people started saying, oh, my God, it's an act of genocide. And what about the children? And I'm like, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Did you know? Because it, it is as if, like, you know, Israel has, is the only, you know, has a tap and closed the water and now everybody's going to die. No. People don't understand this because they never listen. And it's just so easy to be blaming Israel, saying, that, oh, this is an act of genocide. The murder that we witnessed live on television wasn't one, apparently, because Jews were dying. But cutting the water is an act of genocide. Israel provides only 6% of, Gaza, yeah. of, of Gaza's water consumption. 6%. So 6%, I mean, is what? A drop in the bucket? It's not exactly a lot. You're not going to die of thirst tomorrow morning because I stopped 6% of the flow of water coming to you. The rest is coming from, from, from either... Um, water water resources or the desalination plant that they have that is actually not really working. But that's their own fault because they haven't developed it. So what does it tell you? Who's who's to blame? Who's to blame? Israel is not running, uh, running the Gaza Strip. It withdrew in 2005. So under international law, number one, it doesn't have to do jack shit if it doesn't want to. You can't force a country to trade with another. You can't do that. I know that people would like to tell us that we have to, but no, we don't actually. Not under international law. Gaza is the sovereign. We like it, we don't like it. That's the reality. Number two, again, it's, it's just only 6%. And also what we tend to forget is that Gaza doesn't exist in a vacuum. Gaza has a border with Egypt. So my question is, and the real question we should be asking, why isn't Egypt helping? 
And Egypt said this. There was a statement that was issued. Egypt said, yes, we could we could allow for aid to go through, which is, again, humanitarian law. That's fine. Uh, we don't want civilian populations to suffer. So you want to you want to send aid? Absolutely do it. But when then they ask about a humanitarian corridor to be set up and and for people, for refugees to seek shelter, Egypt turned around and said, but we don't want Islamists to come to our country. So <laughs> Egypt, which is a neighbor Arab countries that has held the pro-Palestinian flag high and loudly for decades, refuses to take on refugees from Gaza because they do not want to be drowned by a flow of Islamists, which is fair enough. I mean, any I mean, any country should have the right to decide who comes in. I'm not I'm not negating this at all, challenging it. But my question is this: if we are not challenging Egypt on its stance towards Gaza, why are we expecting Israel that suffered the most horrific terror attack in its history, in the world history, I would argue? Why are we asking Israel to welcome in the very people who want it dead? Explain it to me because I don't I don't get I don't get the 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 reasoning. I'm I'm I don't know if it's out of stupidity or ignorance, but I don't I don't exactly follow. Uh, I don't recall anyone asking for Russia to be taking on Ukrainian refugees or anyone saying that they have a problem with Russia closing its border to anyone else for that matter because it's a sovereign state and it can do whatever it wants in keeping with international law. Yes. Yeah, so to that they would say Israel, Israel is occupying like the evil and the demon of this story. Why? Why is that? Why is I don't that? know. I, all People I hear is they say there's a bias towards Jews. There's a yeah. desire to paint the Jews as the source of all evil. So, under communism, the Jews were capitalists. With the capitalists, mm. the Jews were communists, and it's always the same dance with this and then with that. And there's no, there's nothing that we could do to ever satisfy or appease the world. And so we continue to do what we do, the way we want to do it. Well, all I hear from the critics of Israel is, is especially the Pakistanis. The Pakistanis are always uh, up for Palestine. Uh, they don't care about the Uyghur Muslims in China because they need China. Oh, no. no, no, no. No, but also what is interesting is that, you know, as, as their heart bleeds for Palestinians, um, they don't actually help them. They don't. They never do. I mean, look, uh, some people, for example, have argued, you know, what about those civilians? Uh, many people will die under, under the bombing. And it, it's, it's, most, it's most likely true. I mean, I agree with that statement, unfortunately. I mean, the IGF is doing everything humanly possible, genuinely, um, to make sure that civilian populations are, are, are nowhere near. But obviously, it's not easy because Hamas is using them as as, uh, as human shields. So you have to take this into account as well. Um, you know, they have they have a whole series of... of um, of steps that are being taken uh, to make sure that people are being made aware, phone calls, letters are being dropped, you know, um, they are dropping also what they call knockout bombs just to let people know it's coming, just get out. Uh, but Hamas, you know, keeps keeps forcing um, people to stay, whether, you know, uh, threatening them or trying to, you know, through indoctrination. Anyway, the point is people die. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality. Again, this is not on Israel. This is on Hamas because Hamas is architecting this situation so that they could flip it, weaponize it, and and gain, and gain um, the status of victims and also uh, sympathy 
uh, on the international scene. And it's working. I mean, it has worked. I think that people are seeing through the lies now because I think that it was so violent and vile what we saw over the past week that people are starting to wake up and understand that what we were telling them would happen has happened. Because we said this all along. If we stop defending ourselves, if we stop all the measures, the security measures, we will get slaughtered. And now they see. I think they will forget, but now they see. So for now, I think things are clear. Um, and I forgot what I was going with this. But but yes, um, you know, no one has offered to actually evacuate civilians. Not Saudi Arabia, not Jordan, not Lebanon, not it Yemen. Not. And, and still those people are, you know, manifesting in the street, in the street calling for the liberation of Palestine, but mainly the death of all Jews. So it's not really about Palestine, is it? Because no one is offering these these people respite or safe passage. They're not interested. They're not interested at all. In Syria, in Jordan, in Lebanon, you um, they, all those countries have had refugee population. But those people haven't access to dual nationality. Why? But uh, Catherine... Camps. Explain to me why. If you care so much about those people and they're your people, why are you maintaining them in a state of, of um, imposed poverty? Why? But Catherine, if you don't mind me asking this question, I was looking at a recent survey. Only 31% of Palestinians actually support the Hamas. Now, shouldn't somewhere there be also some kind but, of sympathy for the Palestinians? Because they didn't sign up for this in the real sense, right? I agree. I agree. But see, we, we need to be careful with numbers because um, I would agree with you if you take Palestinians as, 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 a, as, as a whole, as a, as a group. In Gaza, that's not true. They elect them. 70%. So, and I'm not saying, look, I'm not condemning the whole population because you, I don't know. It could be, it could be electoral manipulation. It could be many, many things. It could be that people don't know any better. Not that it's an excuse, but I understand the power of, of, of indoctrination. I understand that it's extremely hard, um, you know, to free yourself from, from the grip of, of Islamism. It's very difficult because it's, it's being literally fed to you, um, you know, since, since, since birth. And so how do you how do you reinvent your identity away from hate when that's all you know? I understand that. I get that. Um, so I would say that enlarged Palestinians are not bad people, not bad people at all. They have aspirations like you and I. They want to live under a democracy. They want freedom and they deserve it. That's the thing that infuriates me. They deserve to have their freedom. They deserve to have a sovereign state. They deserve all this. Uh, but Hamas is really not making the case for them at all. And, and the problem is because they are not vocal enough in denouncing Hamas. How are we supposed to know? Do you understand? So it, it's also, you can't, you can't just say, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm an innocent bystander in this. No, we, even if people find themselves locked in dynamics that they haven't created, it doesn't mean that you don't have a responsibility as a human being, as an individual, to speak against those dynamics and do it vehemently and systematically. You have to, because otherwise, for me, silence is complicit. And so when, when, I, when, I, when I see silence before the horrors that we have witnessed, and I'm waiting for Palestinians, and some have done, I would be very unfair to say that it's, you know, everyone was silenced, that's not true. But not enough, not enough. I mean, what I found quite scary is that Mahmoud Abbas did actually the right thing by saying that, and that's, we're talking about Mahmoud Abbas. I mean, the biggest anti-Semite in the world who only a few months ago uh, questioned the, the, the Shoah, saying that, oh, well, actually the Holocaust did not happen. 
I mean, that's that that's that guy that we're talking about. And this guy, even him, and I'm sure it was very painful for him to do so, uh, disavowed Hamas, saying that Hamas doesn't represent the majority of Palestinians, because even according to his, I mean, I would say the, the, the confine of his hatred, even Hamas went too far. So that tells you just how far Hamas went when Mahmoud Abbas is saying, like, I don't want anything to do with that. It actually went pretty far um, in the scale of, you know, how horrible can I be today? Uh, Mahmoud Abbas disavowed uh, Hamas. Not that, you know, because of it's politically correct. It's because I think even he understands that you can't come back from this. It was too public. It was too violent. It was too gleeful. It was too joyous in in reveling in the blood of the jews um that even he can't he, he can't sign off on it he can't do it so that tells you uh that there's a there's a there's a real problem but the biggest question is this is that what do we do next hamas will get destroyed hamas will be gone hamas is over but what's what's next who do we talk to because it's one thing to get rid of one so we have left with what mahmoud abbas no so we need to find a mechanism and i think that we need to engage regional powers in this we need to, to we need to set up a mechanism by which palestinians and i'm talking about genuine um peace-seeking palestinians uh get a voice because they're there they exist but they're not giving they're not being given a platform and and we need to do this for them it's the same thing for iranians by the way because the opposition exists in a diaspora which is fantastic it's great uh what about iranians at home they also need a voice because you need to, you want to make sure that whoever comes comes to 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 power next, whether it's the president, whether it's you know the it's it's the Shah, whether it doesn't really matter. Uh, it needs to be through popular consensus, and and until you engage people in the democratic exercise and a debate, a discourse, and that they're able to exchange views and ideas and measure what program they you know they prefer. We don't know, and and we could we could fall into the the pit of yet another dictatorship. Hmm. That's that's the issue. So you need to engage, you know, local population, not just the diaspora. The diaspora is great, but you know they don't know what it feels like to have the everyday, you know, experience of living in Iran right now. And so even though they mean well, and of course you know it, they they are engaged because they are Iranians, and it matters is their country, and they have a right to dictate what happens next. The mistake that we make often is to not try to build a very strong civil society within those countries. And we rely solely on the diaspora. We've done it with Iraq. It did not work because there was a disconnect. So we need to make sure that all segments of society are being fairly represented and educated in a way that, you know, you reach a real popular consensus where all segments, you know, feel that they have a say and that they can bring their voice. And I think that the diaspora has a tremendous role to play in that, in the sense that they have lived in the West, they have experienced democracy, and so they're bringing back with them a wealth of experience and lived in. And, you know, something that Iranians at home are lacking because they have, you know, for the past decades, they lived under an absolute dictatorship. So this marriage of the two would be wonderful, but we need to make sure that it happens. And and I think that Palestinians suffer from that. It does, you know, you have Palestinians living outside in the US and the EU and the UK um, that have experienced democracy that could come back and actually, you know, benefit and, and play into the political discourse. But if we don't build those platforms, it's not going to happen. Catherine, I have many questions from the live viewers also. But sure. before that, I want to ask one last question to you. 
and this is probably something the tragedy was barbaric uh you know honestly i stopped i i did not i could not gather the courage to watch a single video i i will be the first one to admit to it like you know as somebody you also know abhijit was you know reporting regularly about the whole thing like that this is the first time in my life where i was not going and seeing what abhijit was saying because he was actually sharing all the details and it was just heartbreaking to for me and for for her, you know I'm, i'm a tough guy but even i could not like gather the courage to watch the horror and i know ben shapiro also was like i don't like to share this but i'm going to share everything you have to watch it and i couldn't yeah. watch it but but I, i've seen a particular range of responses in the west catherine from howard to uh, you know a university i studied in canada you know mm-hmm. I, and i for the record fuck york university this is me saying fuck you york university for for the kind of responses i have seen it, it is such a shame that yeah. i studied in that university seriously yeah. fuck all of them i mean the kind of response and this is not catherine the jewish woman saying this this is kushal the hindu uh, man saying this you know fuck all of them i just want to know how you feel it hasn't look the, the past week i mean i um what you see right now me trying to keep you know to keep it together i, know, I understand uh, catherine and i appreciate me, it's it not, it's trust me is uh, you know it's um it takes a lot of effort to actually keep it together uh and it is it's been one of the hardest time um and i'm sorry life. Sorry, I made you no, come on the podcast. No, no, it's it's look, you 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 guys have been a tremendous support, so you have nothing to apologize for. Um, and I know because I mean, obviously, you know, every, we we've been talking to to one another. I mean, the community really rallied, and it's 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 been. Uh, I mean, the 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 love and the support. I mean, it's been incredible, absolutely incredible. Uh, but we're hurting tremendously, and and I mean, you've seen people. You know, the people broke down on air. um it's it, it, i don't i don't have words to describe it i think it it was it was uh despair um guilt for not being able to to do anything because you, you know your first reaction is what can i do i want to i want to i want to do uh but you completely powerless and it's it, it it hurts i think it's the worst thing as a mother i was dying inside absolutely dying inside um you know i have friends and families uh in in Israel um some of many of my friends uh or actually have been called uh and so you know we're living in fear of of losing them too but we want to make sure that we give them that we're there to support them because you know they are fighting for us and we're going to be fighting for them just as hard and we need to uh we can't we can mourn later we also another people to um we will not be brought down to our knees so we will mourn in our in our own time we will grieve we will rebuild and we're going to thrive and so i decided that um i would have a few breakdowns and a few good cries in the bathroom because you know this is where you cry until you take a shower and you just let it go um because our soldiers are not breaking down and they are not giving up so we don't have the I I I don't want to do that. I I don't want to be the one that has the luxury of a breakdown or you know the luxury of reveling in my sadness. No. Uh Israel deserves better. 
and so we'll deal with it later but yes it, it, it hurts and i think to a depth that i didn't think possible um i think that all souls was not shattered because you can't shatter it but um wounded it's it's a terrible terrible thing and it's just you know for me for me it was the the it was the blood of the innocent if it had been a legitimate military target i could tell you that this is the name of the game it's horrible but it is the name of the game and those people have signed up for it they know what they're risking and they the willing participant in those dynamics they want to defend their country uh, those babies didn't ask for anything they were not guilty of anything those women and children those old you know elderly people um a holocaust survivor i think that one cut me really really deep really deep to think that you know someone who survived the horror of the uh, horrors of the shoah could be struck down again but that same hatred different day different face yeah i don't i don't think i don't think i have the the bandwidth right now to forgive and i don't want to and you I should don't. not and you I should not to. and i made myself i made myself watch every single piece of footage uh, not because i'm sadistic but because i want to bear witness of my people's pain and i want to make sure that when i speak of it i could convey the horror and so I made my, myself watch because so many did and they didn't want to and they didn't have to and it should have never happened. And I want the world to watch it too. Uh, and shame on anyone who is actually challenging our witnesses' accounts, challenging the horrors that have happened, saying, no, it's a manipulation, no, it's a fake picture, no, it's a this, no, it's shame on you. To yeah. ask other people who suffered so tremendously under the hands of terror, by the hands of terror, to be asking to justify ourselves because you have some kind of a sick voyeurism, shame on you. Despicable. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a few questions, but I want to uh, start with this question because I really wanted to know this. Like, Any thoughts on China's statement on the Palestine issue? What did you make of them? I don't, do, do you know, <laughs> I, have, I kind of like limited my my study to um, the MENA region. So I haven't, I mean, I, I've looked as far as Russia, but I, I did not compute China. The one thing I do know about China, China doesn't want its uh, its markets to be disrupted. Um, so it's not, it's not in the long game of let's play geopolitical rearrangement because it doesn't, it doesn't fit the narrative. It's not in China's interest. Uh, what I found interesting is that there was an attack of an Israeli diplomat in China. Yeah. And, and he uh, I wonder, I wonder what that was about. But again, look, a lot has happened. Uh, I didn't look into it. I didn't think about it too much. Uh, maybe I should. Maybe I should now. Uh, but I don't really have. I can't comment on it because I didn't really think it through. So whatever I'm going to say is just going to be kind of like you know, very very shallow and really not thought of properly. So I'll pass. I'm sorry. Nope. No, no. I, yes, the the intellectually honest people say we don't know. Yeah. Uh, the the ones who think they have figured everything out, they say anything and everything under the sun has that they, they have an answer for that. So I actually appreciate it. Now this is, uh, you know, again, this is from a Hindu listener. Uh, this person has asked a general argument against Jews and Hindus is fill in the blanks. What did you expect? You deserved yes, it, true. no that matter what we do. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's why I think like uh, a lot of people, you know, like I've, look, I've heard it all. You know, people are say, oh, but you know, because of this, and what about this? And you, I mean, look, it we like it's like a we like a, a ball that people like to kind of pass around. You're always guilty anyway. So I just a long time ago I decided to just not care, uh, and I'm like, look, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna live by you know the the morals that I've chosen um, and as ethically as I can. Uh, if you don't like it, don't like it. If you want to see something insidious and nefarious in it, knock yourself out. But I'm, I'm not. I'm done justifying myself. And the other, the other, the other thing, and 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 I think that you you would, um, I think you would agree with me, is I don't believe that we have to be accepted in the sense that we should stop looking for validation. Um, I don't need I don't need validation. I don't need the world to tell me that it's okay for me to exist, that it's okay for me to, you know, practice my religion or not, that it's okay for me to live, you know, according to my culture, that it's okay for me to celebrate my culture, that I don't need that kind of validation. I mean, if people, you know, uh wanna celebrate with us, wonderful. If you don't like it, tough luck. Um I'm not interested. I exist. I'm good. So, you know, people want to get on that train and, 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 you know, come with us and benefit or, you know, do business with us, do whatever. Wonderful. We'll do that. If you don't want to and you want to stay away and criticize us, I don't really care. Uh, it's fine because it doesn't change anything. I mean, I don't need people to tell me it's okay to breathe. I don't need people to tell me, oh, it's okay to be you. I know. Thank you. I, I I don't need you. <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, and I think that um, Hindus in the UK, because I can only speak about the UK, um, have done that tremendously well, uh, where, you know, they kind of let it roll in uh, and roll over and it doesn't really matter. I mean, criticism is criticism, but that is, does it change anything really about you? Not really. Um, does it speak more about the people doing the criticizing? Absolutely. And so why should we care? Now, when it when it turns to hate crime, then then we need to draw a line. But as far as you know, criticism is concerned. I mean, people will say whatever it is that they want to say. I have an issue when they try to organize themselves under a terrorist organization and act on it. Then I have a problem. Yeah, and and nobody needs to remind anyone over here that uh, I mean, Catherine and I have had I don't know how many conversations offline about this. That when we look at the anti-Semitic network and we look at the anti-Hindu network. The organizations, mm -hmm. the players, the individuals in the media, even the cartoonists in the newspapers, they are all the same. It, mm -hmm. It's a literal 90% plus overlap till the extent. I don't know if you know about this, uh, Catherine, but the, the recent cartoon that, had, that was published uh, uh, in, in, in a newspaper just, you know, a few... Uh, like a couple of days ago, uh, I, I forgot the name of the damn newspaper. What the hell was that newspaper? Uh, yeah, The Guardian. They sat yeah. their cartoonist, Steve Bell. Guess what? I, and I want to show this cartoon for people to understand the the level of parallels in anti-Semitism and Hindu hatred. Like people think this is some grand conspiracy theory. No, you assholes. I'm thinking of writing a serious research paper on this. That's how bad things have become. Like I reached out to Catherine. And I was like, Catherine, you and I should sit down and write this damn thing. You should like, actually. But you know, um, it's it's look, just. I think, I think to some extent we're giving them a bit too much oxygen. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah, look yeah, at this. Just... And and guess what? This is the same guy who drew this. 
This is Preeti Patel. This is, this is, do you know, this is not just offensive, but do you know the, 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 look, I don't like the subtext, you know, the, the devil's horn. This is, this is horrible. This, this is, it's not because look, I've, I'm not one, I don't take offense easily. I mean, I think that people, I mean, criticism is healthy and I think that people, you know, should have thick skin anyway, uh, because you can't take offense all the time that, you know, life doesn't owe you. Uh, that much that you know you would not get upset sometimes it's okay get out of the kitchen if you can't but there's a line where it's just so just so nasty and and not necessary and actually doesn't say anything because it's not a criticism to kind of point the finger to something that needs fixing it's just it's just i want to hurt you because i can uh, i want to belittle your culture i want to i want to dehumanize your community um I don't understand that. I, I really don't. And also, I just don't understand, like, where, where does it come from? Like, what, what, if you look at statistics in the UK, for example, in terms of, you know, crimes, crimes demographic, I don't think that the Hindu community computes anywhere. Are you guys even here? Because <laughs> yeah. nothing. I mean, obviously, you're in any community, you're going to have, you know, uh, offenses and, you know, violence or whatever. But I'm talking in terms of like, you know, the grand scale of skin, like percentage, not even that. Um, it's just like that, you know, crickets. <laughs> I'm just waiting. Um, and it's insane to me. So you don't represent a threat at all. There's no, there's no threat. No, I mean, I'm talking about factual threat as in, oh, there's an issue with, I don't know, um, you know, um, violence at home, for example, or whatever it may be. Nothing. Uh, I can't say the same about you know certain other communities, but I'm not going to go there. Um, but I, I don't I don't understand what warrants that kind of hatred, other than the fact that as a community you have done extremely well for yourselves, and that Success. people are thinking like they must be your trick. No, it's called hard work and also community support and solidarity. It does wonder for a community when people support one another. And actually, you know, try to encourage not just their children, but the neighbors' children and, you know, the extended family and the extended community to do better by providing services and being there for each other uh, and creating a sense of togetherness and, and you know, uplifting. Um, it's a shocker. It works. And I mean, if there's a conspiracy theory, that's the one that you need to look at and try to replicate. But no, people think that, oh, there must be a ploy. There's no ploy. It's it's a model. It's I think it's it's uh, it's a model that works. Go replicate, and if you don't like it, then don't do it. But don't cry when it doesn't work for you. Yeah, which is why you know people, you know the amount of messages I've seen from people on social media that that have said, oh oh, why are the Hindus tweeting so much for the Israelis? Because once again, we get their pain. We no, but even, even if you didn't, even, you know, let's say like we didn't know each other and like, you know, we don't get each other, whatever. What is wrong with supporting a people that just suffered a terrible, yeah, terrible exactly. Tragedy? I mean, you, you would like to think that as a human being, as a human being living here on earth, you know, the most natural thing to do would be to extend a hand and say, I'm sorry. How can mm -hmm. we assist? How can we help you? And and just do you understand like the the, the weird reasoning why people are, are thinking to themselves, oh, there must be something because they're behaving like normal, decent human beings towards a community mm -hmm. that has done nothing to deserve such an attack because you can never deserve such an attack. You know, 
there must be something nefarious about this. It's insane because what it says about society today and also this implication that in order for me to extend a hand to you, I must have some kind of an interest in doing that, that humanitarianism doesn't exist, that the fact that I could see your humanity in your suffering and recognize that this is my own, that I'm actually, um, that I, I'm catering to, for them to not see that, it's just like, where is your soul? Did you did you did you lose it in the field somewhere? Like, am I missing something? What are you doing? It, it's exactly. I don't understand it. And it goes beyond racism, by the way. It, I think it, it goes it beyond does. even sectarianism. It's this notion that in order to act like a human, like a decent human being, there must be an angle. I, I don't I, I personally I don't understand that. Um, yeah, and, and I think that it's our duty as people, and not I'm not speaking as a as a, as a Jew or even as a, as a woman. It's just on the most on on a visceral, I would say, you know, genetic level. You have to stand up for humanity because otherwise you're denying your own. So extend a hand if you see pain, address it. Don't walk away. If you see something horrible happen, speak up. Otherwise, people will not speak for you. Yeah, I mean. It seems it seems so basic. Um, it just I just I don't know. I don't know. Those people have been hiding under a rock somewhere, you know, and Hamas was sitting on it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it was so funny. Like I was looking at South Asian experts calling our BJP's tweet about George Soros controlling uh, Rahul Gandhi as anti-Semitism. And then the same South Asian experts whining about the Hindus. And you're standing up and supporting Israel. I was like, for fuck's sake, decide whether we are anti-Semitic or we are too much of a Jew lover. I mean, I, how can the same person accuse us? I mean, uh, look, I mean, people have accused me of being, uh, what was it? The last the last uh, insult that I heard is I was, uh, I wasn't just a Zionist. Apparently I was a pro-Zionist. I was thinking, I don't know what that is, but okay. Um, and they would tell me like, how how could you be how could you be a Zionist? I was like, how can I not be a Zionist? I'm Jewish. I have to be a Zionist because I know what happens when Israel is not around. And being a Zionist doesn't mean that you agree necessarily politically with any given government, you know, right now in Israel. It just means that you are for Israel as the state. You know, sometimes I agree with the government. Sometimes I don't agree with the government, like everyone else. It's not, it's not, it's not a statement on my political affiliations. Only that I know what happens when Israel is not around. And thank God Israel is around. Because can you imagine what they would have done to us if Israel was not around? I'm talking about the Islamists. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. That happened in Israel. Imagine if Israel wasn't wasn't around. Uh, I don't want to think about it. So uh, yes, very proud Zionists. And people take offense telling me, how could you? Uh, my answer is how could I know? Yeah, I, I, yeah. You know what the funny bit is? Like most people don't understand that the reason Catherine and I get along so well is because we're both secular humanists. Both of us are secular humanists. <laughs> like people think we're some ultra religious. You know, she's an ultra religious Jew, or I'm oh, ultra religious God. Hindu. I think, they don't uh, get us. <laughs> I think I'm a rabbi's nightmare <laughs> because I don't look. I love. I love my people. I I am extremely proud of of you know, my roots and my history and where I come from and everything that, you know, my people are doing and have done and will continue to do. Extremely proud. Uh, I love Israel. I will defend Israel until um, there's no breath left in me. So that that's me. Uh, that being said, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I would defend 
anyone's right to practice their religion freely and safely to my death. I choose not to, you know, so um, I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind one day. I don't know. But uh, in the meantime, I'm a happy secular. Yeah. And, and, and which is why Catherine and I get along so well is the reason is because I'm exactly like her. Like, I'm not a practicing guy. I'm, in fact, my podcast is Charvak. I, I am an open disbeliever, but I still stand up because I know the collective suffering of my community. And mm -hmm. I will always stand up for it because if some members of the community did not stand up and fight for themselves, yes, there would. Be. And India is a community that was broken in 1947. We lost a huge chunk of our land, which is why. Why would I want Israel to go through that? Israel does not deserve to go through that. And, you know, every time somebody says that, uh, you know, oh, Israel is occupying Palestinian land, like, I don't understand where the hell is the Jewish community supposed to go is my question. No, but it, it's also, it's just factually not true. We're not occupying anything. This is this is what gets me is that people keep saying you're a, a colonial force. Okay. We were, I mean, where, how, like explain to me, how, how can I occupy my own land? We are indigenous to the land. This is not even open for debate. We are indigenous to the land of Israel. Um, but, you know, this argument keeps coming coming back up. I mean, I had, I had, um, I wouldn't say an argument because uh, the gentleman was actually quite, you know, um, reasonable. But we, we, had a, we had a bit of a religious debate um, about whether or not, because he was arguing that, you know, Palestine is, you know, is Palestine. And I was just like, well, no. I mean, religiously speaking, if you want to talk religion, it's not really. It's Benny Israel. And last time I checked, Ben Israel is not like a, this kind of distant Camelot. Uh, it's real and it happens to be where Israel sits right now. Um, so anyway, we had this debate. But it's insane to me that even people who do read the scriptures is still and, and, and you know, having this religious line of thinking or, or challenging the existence of Israel. I'm like, it's in your book. It's in your book. Read it. I mean, and, and it's not like it. I'm not telling you that it is true because it's in the book. I'm saying that if your argument is a religious argument, then you need to 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 reference your book and your book reference Israel. So I don't know what's the problem. Uh, but again, hatred is tainted the um, the narrative, and they just they can't they can't even read. Yeah, a lot of people have asked this question: it's like, how is the two state solution eventually going to, you know, figure out? And what is the future? Look, Catherine, I. I have always had sympathy for the people of Palestine. I, I have never hidden that. You know my views on that. I have always shared it with you. And, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a humanist, you feel for them too. Like, uh, Catherine, before, before we wrap up, like, what is the solution for this mess? Like, what Hamas has done again. And listen, Israel is going to respond and Hamas should be wiped out of planet Earth. I have no problem admitting that. But still, the Palestinian question remains, and and the two-state solution or whatever. How how is it, what what's the future for this region? Well, no, look, number one, uh, first of all, a solution needs to be found. It's not it's not like you know when people are saying, oh, you know, Israel will take it all, and it's going to be the end of Palestinians, and that. no, no, it's not it's not going to happen. Uh, Israel doesn't want to genocide another people. That's not going to happen. Uh, but we need to find partners in peace who are genuinely interested in peace. That's number one. Uh, now, when it comes to the solution, what it's going to look like, I don't know because I think that, as far as as far as uh, as far as Israel is concerned, 
in terms of Israel's willingness to um, to be compassionate, patient, and and generous? I don't know. So I think it's going to be um, Israel will always be a rational partner, but I don't know about generosity anymore after what happened. So I think that concession will need to happen, not in terms of land necessarily. I'm talking in terms of um, you know whether or not Palestinians would be allowed to have a military. For example, because when we see what happened, uh, when they have a militia, don't know whether we, I don't know. Um, so those discussions is to happen. But I would say this, we need to have real partners. And also, I do think that uh, the world needs to butt out. It is it is a Palestinian-Israeli issue. This is not Saudi Arabia, Russia, China, America, France, just kind of like, you know, projecting their own agenda or trying to tell us what to do. No, 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 no. You want to act as a as a buffer. You want to be, um, I don't know, act even as a referee. Although, mm -hmm. um, maybe in terms of trying to bring, you know, to make sure that reason doesn't leave the room. Maybe, maybe. But I, I think it's a, it's a very kind of a it's it's a it's a very regional problem that needs to be solved regionally and 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 preferably between the two parties involved, because. Otherwise, you're going to start you're going to start going into, you know, weird tangents. And then and then again, you you fanning, um, you know, this um, those parties who actually make a career out of prolonging negotiation because they make a lot of money. I mean, Mahmoud Abbas has made billions out of this. Uh, you know, Hamas, the guy from Hamas, all the leadership is sitting outside of, of, of Gaza, in Qatar, in Egypt, in Lebanon, wherever. They don't care. They actually don't care. They're making a lot of money. They don't want this to be sorted because if tomorrow morning Gaza became independent, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? You know, if they have what they want, what are they going to do? Because then they're going to have to rule. They're going to have to administrate. They're going to have to do all that. They don't want to do this. They want to kill. They they want to. What they want to do is commit an act of genocide completely against the Jewish people in Israel and just wipe us out. And then and then after they will be like, well, that's it. Uh, you know, you. You do whatever. They're not in the in the business of fixing. They're not in the business of building. They want to kill and destroy. Um, so yeah, no, they don't want the problem to be solved. And it is is why, by the way, they've always refused to find, um, you know, to to actually develop Gaza, because they could then, you know, perpetrate this notion that you know Gaza was in such a dire strait because of Israel. When Israel is not administrating anything, is not occupying anything, we're not in there since two thousand and five. So they had over a decade to build stuff. They have done nothing. They have built rockets that they're good at, but that's it. So, you know, what happens next is really, it's it's up to Palestinians, really, because Israelis have always been ready to make peace. So it's really up to Palestinians. Uh, Palestinians have systematically, when I say Palestinians, I'm talking about the leadership, not the people. Because I, in my mind, they have been betrayed time and time again. Um, the leadership needs to just stop and, and make a deal. Make a deal. Repre ask your people. Have a referendum. Do anything, but just do something different because this is not working and your people are suffering and they shouldn't have to suffer. People deserve, look, anyone, I don't care what you are, Palestinians, Israeli, it doesn't matter. You deserve a future. People deserve to live a dignified life and and, and I would say, a, you know, um, a right to, to be able to happen, to, to, not to be happy because you don't have a right to be happy I think it's, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know what happiness is, but anyway, um, but they have a right to live a dignified life and, and to feel safe within, within the, the confine of their borders. There you go.
Yeah. Uh, Catherine, before we wrap it up, uh, there was an organization where people can contribute to. Uh, could you tell us uh, about that? Yes. Too? So I'm, because uh, there's a lot of, you know, fundraisers going on for Israel. Um, and so if anyone is interested in, in donating, so I'm compiling, it's not me, it's, you know, the the, the government and, and, and other organization are compiling a list of, of charities that have been vetted. Uh, we're also running, um, you know, separate fundraisers to be helping very specific cause, causes, uh, mainly children, uh, people that have been affected by uh, what they witness. There's a lot of psychological trauma um, that we're trying to address to make sure that we support um, the families of the victim, trying to make sure that we um, are supporting the, the family of the hostages, um, that we're doing everything we can um, for Israel and also the IDF. And so if anyone is interested in donating or maybe offering help by way of supplies, uh, please um, follow me on Twitter. My uh, messages are open. So feel free to drop me a line and I will direct you to, because we're setting up a page, so it's taking longer than I thought. Um, and I will keep you up to date and I will send you all the links and, you know, you could decide whether or not you want to give. Um, if, again, we, we Israel is quite short of certain, um, it's not like the money is missing necessarily for the IDF, it's the sourcing of certain things because everything happens so quickly. Um, so if anyone wants to, uh, you know, to donate that way and just send stuff to Israel again, uh, I could direct you to the people who are organi uh, organizing this because obviously... I can't, I'm not doing that because I'm doing other things. Uh, but yeah, a lot of good people have actually mobilized um, and doing doing a lot. I mean, look, there's a, there's a gentleman, we don't know his name, um, who sat for hours uh, in New York at the counter um, at the counter of, a, of an airline. Um, and he paid for 250 tickets for idea of reservists to go home. And he doesn't want to be named. And he put his credit card and it was 250 tickets. I mean, the generosity the generosity uh, has been absolutely incredible. So everyone is is pulling together and doing, you know, um, what we can individually and 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 together as a community. Um, and um, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of what what is what is going on. And also, I mean, countless people have stepped in uh, and helping also. Um, so it's been it's been it's been wonderful to see that you know we are not alone in this horror. That there's a lot of very good people out there uh, from all over the world. Um, Iranians. Iranians have been absolutely incredible in in their in their support. Um, those in the diaspora, those back in Iran, you know, have sent countless countless messages and 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 good wishes and um, offered their condolences. And it, it meant a lot. It meant a lot to see that beyond all the hate and the political crap, um, you know, people could see could see that it's it's uh, today wasn't the time to um, to be hateful. That they could they could witness the horror. That Israel had to face, and they could they could understand that you know if if nothing was to be done, they could be next. So um, it made me feel I wouldn't say better, but it gave me a sense that you know in this horror there's still a light. So I'm going to concentrate on that. Yeah. So you know, guys, when I get the link, I'll also tweet the link out on my Twitter handle, but and I will urge all of you to. So if you're listening to this on the audio platform in the description. Catherine's Twitter handle is there. Go follow her and keep checking out her tweets. Uh, the YouTuber, same thing for you. Uh, it is uh, in the description uh, of this uh, video. You can go and check it out. Similarly for Facebook too, you can go and check it out in, in, in the description and you will see uh, Catherine's Twitter handle. You can go and follow her and 
you know you can get the details i definitely would request on on behalf of uh, you know at least the charvak podcast that uh, you know if you can please support um, the communities in israel uh, uh, i think it's our moral responsibility i will try to do it in my uh, as soon as i get all the links i've i'll i'll start by putting my money where my mouth is and i will do it myself and uh, catherine uh, uh, i know it's a tough time but uh, once again thank you for coming and uh, i just want to say on behalf of everybody that i know who reached out to me when they knew i was going to talk to you they told me to tell you that uh, tell catherine that we stand behind the jewish community and we will always stand behind the jewish community thank you and and thank you everyone um again for your show for your your show of friendship and i would say your moral standing your integrity it's um it's 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 very nice to see it's uh, it, it makes us feel less alone um and i'm thinking that together we can win this it's there's there's no question in my mind that islamism and hate would be defeated so here's to that yeah we we will win and and you know i always say this catherine and i uh, in fact this this conversation happens many time offline that sometimes i feel bad for the average muslim also in this entire process because islamism the biggest victim of islamism is the average muslim yeah. they suffer the most they suffer the most and to all my muslim friends I, i'm there for you brothers too i'm there for you to all my muslim brothers and sisters i'm there for you i i feel your pain too and and but it, but you have to call out islamism like this platform i I've I've had conversations with uh, Catherine but Catherine knows I reach out to a Shadi Hamid and I always try to give a Palestinian perspective also and I try to say as balanced as possible but on this what happened in Israel on that day I don't know something in my heart broke something in my heart broke and I was like there is there is no justification of this there is just no justification and 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 it, we could see this in the condemnation from the indian prime minister also because he was one of the first world leaders to call it what it was it was a terrorist attack you know you see cbc news canada the weasels inside the cbc, the CBC news the bbc refuses to call hamas they call them hamas militants as opposed yeah. to hamas terrorists which is despicable yeah. and they say that they they want to do this to maintain to to maintain neutrality this is not neutrality it's bias is prejudiced against the jewish community and for me an act of antisemitism um it, it's actually quite despicable in the sense that they're trying to cover it under a veneer of morality yeah and and i think that is quite sick and perverse um you know this kind of intellectual gymnastics uh, i'm not not impressed by the bbc but again look i do believe i do believe that um you reap what you sow and um I think there will be a time of reckoning. Again, I'm not advocating violence. I'm not talking about I'm talking about intellectual reckoning in the sense that they will be held accountable. Uh and I think that society will deal with them. Because they yeah. they're going to have to uh I think they're going to have to go. They're going to have to rethink the way that it, it works because this is not a public service. This is this is propaganda of of I mean, uh who are they working for? Is actually my question. But we'll see. Yeah. We we'll we will see and and I've said this before I'll say it again I'm not a moral relativist some cultures are better than other cultures Israeli culture is a superior <laughs> culture Indian culture is a superior culture yes Indian culture is better than Pakistani culture look at my eyes when I say this ladies and gentlemen Indian culture is better than Pakistani culture Israeli culture is better than Palestinian culture 
look at my this doesn't mean all palestinians are bad or all pakistanis are bad but overall our cultures are better western culture overall is better and you cannot be a moral relativist and say oh all cultures are equal they're not some cultures just suck the culture of islamism sucks and i'm i'm very clear on which side i am on this subject you can call me what you want to call my conscience is clear this podcast has stood up for the underdog every time i'm always going to stand up for suffering of palestinians also but it doesn't mean that if when a horrific attack like this stands i have to get in, engage in some sort of whataboutism i'm not mm-hmm. going to engage in any whataboutism this is wrong i'm with the israeli community i'm with the jewish community i'm going to end it over here and and this podcast was meant to be heterodox it will remain heterodox once again go and follow catherine support people like catherine because because we need good scholars and you know there are scholars like catherine who do good work and that that and that's what this podcast was made for you know to reaching out to good people who do good work so keep supporting this podcast whether on the audio platform whether on youtube whether on facebook or wherever you guys are i'll see you guys next time until then namaste take care bye